Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. And one thing oh, you can't going. do, you can't teach talent, Adam. No, no, you you can't. You really can't. So you know, you're just born with it. Yeah, and I was and I was born with plenty. You were born with oozing talent. <laughs> <laughs> oh you're going uh, no glasses huh okay oh yeah that's we're going minute, so that's the last minute choice. yeah so i'm a little my face is uh even though this is tuesday my face is still a little <laughs> swollen and my uh voice is still a little gone because uh in a bar I fight went, i went for it last weekend i'm not gonna <laughs> lie so it was a celebration of uh of marriage at uh pinehurst in north carolina and we had a small group, but uh, we went big, and I am still not 100% from that uh, party. So, But when you celebrate a union of two beautiful souls like yourself and the prof, uh-huh. Uh-huh. one can only go big. Yes, you, you, you must go big. And dare I say, Robert, <laughs> it felt right, and I went for it. Who went bigger than you? <laughs> No one. I, no, yeah, nobody. There wasn't a person in there. Uh, I, you, you saw that clip for me on the dance floor. So yes, you know yes, I that I was, not only was I having a great time, I was sweating profusely, as Chris Mills would say. And <laughs> if, you don't uh, think that, if you don't think that clip is going to be clipped for a promo on this episode, <laughs> you're dead wrong. Oh, yeah. I started, uh, I started spinning my niece around, and uh, I had to stop doing that because i was losing my balance a little bit after all the all the all the whiskey on the rocks so uh you know uh don't don't do it too frequently like i used to but every now and then you just kind of let it fly it feels right rob i like that adam mm-hmm. uh we had somebody reach out to be on the podcast it was um somebody from raleigh north carolina actually believe it or not oh really um i believe it's you gotta, rachel you rachel name. simon uh, no, I don't believe that's correct. Uh, it's Rachel. Uh, Did I say it wrong? In, yeah. So it's, it's no, it's a, uh, uh, sh- she, okay. She wrote so, a book. Oh, really? So it's not, there's a younger Rachel that plays singles. I don't think she's it's from Raleigh. Nope. So nope. 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 Not, that's, not a, a player. different Rachel. Different not a player. Rachel. Okay. She's uh she's an author. I think she has, she's, she writes for like the New York times and some other publications, maybe as a freelancer, I'm not sure, but just wrote a book called pickleball for all. And I think her, her PR publicist from Harper Collins uh, reached out and said, she would like to make an appearance. I said, you know what? We don't have many guests on this podcast, but I think it would be, you know, our pleasure to welcome her and let her talk about her book. Oh, I like that idea. So and it would be good. interesting, actually, because, you know, she's not like in the pro world. Right. She just wrote like a like a mass market book talking about pickleball and like the history of it and how it's why it's growing and all that stuff. And I think it'd be pretty interesting just talking to somebody from that perspective that doesn't know the pro world and like knows kind of like the general the general view of pickleball to kind of, I don't want to say outsiders, but to more of like the mass public. Uh, no, for sure. So I think, I think we fo- obviously focus more here on the pro game and that's what we know the most about. But I think, I think we have some pretty good knowledge of just the general stuff uh, going on in the game with the, you know, the, uh, the average rec player or the amateur tournament player. And those are, those are two different worlds, a lot of overlap between them. But uh, I think it's important to, 
to talk about that stuff uh, some as well, because, uh, you know, that's the masses. That's the real core of the pickleball player pool. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, so, what, Robert, what are we talking about today? Whatever we want to talk about. Um, I, I was supposed to be going to Chicago this weekend. I sadly, um, well, Chicago, then I was supposed to go to New York, then I was supposed to go to Atlanta. Um, I have been advised it's probably not in my best interest health-wise to travel and to participate in a pro sport at a high level, exerting myself <laughs> yeah. to max effort. Um, especially, especially if your player uh, or your partner is me. Uh, it'll be probably a little, a little bit more exertion uh, and court coverage from you. So uh, yeah, de definitely, <laughs> definitely don't want to push it. And it, and it is, it is super frustrating. I, I, obviously we've talked about it plenty, but you know, I just wish with these injuries that I just had a broken arm, you know, I have, here's your recovery, here's your recovery time. It's six yeah. weeks. You're, you do nothing for six weeks. You'd get your cast off and you're good to go uh, with these muscular injuries or some of the stuff that, that, that you're dealing with. Uh, it's just tough because you don't, you, you feel a little bit better and then you push it and it's not quite where you wanted it to be. And you have these commitments to these partners and, and these, these tournaments and you're, you're optimistic and hoping for the best. And it's just, it just doesn't always work out perfectly. So it's a really tough spot to be in, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because, you know, pickleball with pickleball, when you sign up for these tournaments, you're, it's not just yourself, which makes pulling out even harder, right? Like you're, you're letting down your partners and um, it's, yeah, it's, that's, it's one of the, one of the more annoying things about pickleball is that, you know, when you do run into kind of some adversity and you need to pull out of a tournament that you're affecting multiple people, not just yourself, which is for me, easily the hardest part. Like, I feel like I could go and probably play it would probably be uncomfortable and probably not be in the best interest of my overall health and well being, And it would probably set me back further with like this infection and all that stuff. But, um, I'm, I feel like I'm making a grown up choice by, by not playing, even though like I really, really want to. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's hey Rob, I'm, I, I could let myself down all day. I, I, I don't want to let anyone else down though. So 100%. we've, uh, yeah, we've even brought that up before. So, uh, when there is other people involved, it is, it does kind of cloud, uh, some of your thought process and your judgment on what, what really is the right decision for you. And you know, that's, that's life. That's life. So no Chicago for me and no f Chicago for us because we were supposed to be playing together. Um, I think you're still TBD on whether you're going to find a replacement for me or what your, what your plan is. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air. I'll probably get on the horn after this podcast, uh, talk to uh, the mixed partner that I had set up, uh, check, check that male player pool. I will be there to commentate two days. So yeah, I think it could go either way. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll hang in there and uh, play the event or, or I could possibly, uh, you know, hold off for Atlanta the following weekend and just do the commentary for those four days. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, e either one would be fine with me. We'll just see how it all works out. Right on. Got lots of updates in the, uh, in the MLP world. We just had the shuffle draft. We've had, uh, you know, the, the drops, the waivers, um, some trades. What's you want to go through just systematically on all sure. the updates? Yes, sure, 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 sure. So, so how it worked, uh, 
it is it is slightly confusing. So how it worked is where I believe it was where the player that you are dropping is drafted. If they are a very early high pick, maybe in the top 10, top 12, top 15 of the 24, uh, there's 24 players in each gender. So if they're kind of in that range where they're higher ranked, you get more ping pong balls. So this is basically a lottery. So you get ping pong balls for uh, how poorly your team finished the previous uh, MLP. And you also get ping pong balls for how highly drafted the person you are dropping was. So uh, that's how it worked. There was five men drop. So there was uh, five players to be picked up off of a waiver wire pool and everyone had their own amount of ping pong balls and they just pulled it at random. So uh, of those five teams, uh, I was uh, like we mentioned last podcast, I was recently traded to the Jackrabbits and we were unfortunately number five. So we have uh, I believe we had the Chimeras uh, had the first pick and they got Gabe Tardio. Let me check my my list right here. Uh, so as you know, Gabe Tardio filled in for you last MLP and, yeah. uh, you know, kind of kind of lit it up a little bit, had some nice offensive shots, some nice matches in that small sample. So uh, it, does, yeah. it does make sense that he was he was high on the list uh, and ended up going number one for the men uh, in the shuffle draft. Yeah, I think. um he like like we talked about the last episode in terms of high upside he's got high upside right and 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 mlp and the mlp format the rally scoring it can be really streaky and if somebody catches fire yeah it can it can work out really well so that's the upside versus the rock right i, I wouldn't consider tardio a rock by any by any stretch of the imagination but in terms of upside and streaky and can get really hot absolutely and he also when he filled in for me brought even as like a fill in teammate brought great energy to the team was super fired up, wanted to wanted it badly. And I think, you know, he's been wanting on a team for a while. So pump for pump for Gabe, great kid, great player and only going to get better. So good pickup. Uh, I think. No, absolutely. And uh, I do, I do like Gabe quite a bit. And uh, there was, let's see, I believe there was a couple opportunities, maybe just one for him to get on an MLP team, earlier and it didn't work out so actually when uh who it was it was for me it was for me that first mlp and unfortunately gabe already had a commitment for the indianapolis open mm. and he did not break that commitment so he had an opportunity to come to the first mlp we ended up getting ben newell who got picked up in this current shuffle draft as well so uh kind of a little fun fact there uh it was interesting and i think he was really wanting to play the mlp but was torn a little bit uh about big respect to tardio i did not know that that's bigger no that's 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 tough you know you get this opportunity it was only a couple days before the indianapolis tournament too but he he decided to stick with it and go to indy and you know i I can't fault him for that and i kind of respect him for that decision Totally. Especially that yeah, age. So, so you know, yes, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, you don't, you don't see that all the time anymore. Right. You see short attention spans jumping at the best opportunity, <laughs> right. sticking, sticking to what you've committed to. So, right. Okay. So let's, let's take a look here. Uh, I apologize guys looking down at my screens here, but that team now is the chimeras. They have Andrea Coop and Megan fudge. Mm-hmm. They have Gabe Tardio and Daniel De La Rosa. So, okay. 
hey, they can talk Spanish to each other. Uh, <laughs> fellas, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's good. That's team chemistry right there. So t- talk a different language. Uh, I think that's a good thing. You, you hear that a little bit with uh, uh, Barry Intos and DJ Young sometimes. You know, they, yeah. they, they they go to that Spanish. You know, I kind of think it gives them a little vibe and it gives them a little Us first them. there. Yeah, we got yeah, it. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. So, uh, yeah, so a really solid team there. Uh, number two on the pickups, we had Eric Lang who uh, kind of what I heard a little bit on social media or kind of through the grapevine that uh, that was one of the more surprising drops was was Eric Lang, uh, kind of a slightly underrated player in terms of him not playing a full slate of tournaments. But, uh, you know, pound for pound on his results, it's pretty good. It's pretty good for the most part, especially in men's doubles, especially in men's doubles. So uh, he is joining the bus with the number two pickup off waivers. And the bus is Lauren Stratman, Susanna Barr, Eric Lang, and Wes Burroughs. So as we as we know that uh, Susanna Barr came over from the hard eights in that big trade. So uh, that is the, the foursome uh, for the bus. And I think both of those teams uh, are, are very solid, very solid. Agree. Yeah, with... Yes. Um... I'll talk about Lang because he was he was on the fives, as you know, for sure. And yeah, fantastic player, but even even better teammate and better human, like such a good dude. I think I think for the fives. Like the way the the way the team's made up is Lena, like we were, I guess we just really needed a right side player is what we were looking for. And while my game is probably suited for the right side, I'm not comfortable on the right side at all. That's, I would not say that's where I play my best pickleball or where I'm the most confident. Um, I just haven't spent enough time there and worked on it enough. I would definitely say that I feel much more confident on the left. And I would say Eric probably feels the same. Also, very strong left side player. Usually plays with Wes Gabrielson. So, you know, the vast majority of his reps come on the left side. So uh, we were lacking in terms of having a guy that is good playing the right side. And as we saw with like when Pablo filled in for me at the Austin MLP, Lena is very, very comfortable on the left side playing mixed. And that's where she plays her best mixed. Um, So we were, yeah, so we, we wanted to take a take a run at a lefty and have a solid right side player. And if you look at Ben's results from, um, I believe it was L.A. and the PPA, kind of the invitational thing. I mean, him and Tyson beat Matt Wright and Colin Johns. I think mm-hmm. Ben went three and one in pool play in men's. So he, right. he played very, very well. I think even the Austin PPA, he him and Jack Oxler got you know, pretty deep into the tournament, maybe fourth or something like that. So I think Ben's got a ton of upside. This is going to be an indoor indoor event in Columbus. It's going to be very fast conditions, which I believe um, suits suits Ben's game. Um, you know, he can drive the ball. He can crash. He's very athletic, great singles player, strong and mixed. Um, probably, uh, probably a little weaker in men's, I would say. Just... Um, just based on, you know, not as big of a sample size as Eric, right? Like Eric's got, you know, very, very solid results in men's for a long time. He's very established, very good. Um, But I would just say we were looking probably for more of a a right side player that, that can get streaky and get hot. And yeah, excited to have been on the team. Glad Eric Eric landed somewhere uh, because he he absolutely deserves. I mean, he's, 
easily one of the top guys in the league. So um, no surprise there and really pumped that he, that he landed. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think Ben Newell's one, one of the better movers out there. Very athletic, very explosive. So uh, just so everyone knows, Eric Lang got dropped from the fives and picked up from the bus. And Ben Newell was a free agent and got picked up by the fives. So uh, just like you mentioned, Rob, uh, I think it makes sense a lot, especially with Lena liking that left side. And, and I think it's an interesting dynamic as these roles get more established that some of these lefty guys can really make an impact in mixed playing with the woman that is so comfortable on the left side being the dominant woman's player. So it hasn't really got to that point yet. We're still seeing mostly uh, or a high, high percentage of standard stuff with guy left girl, right. But as everyone gets a little more specific with their roles, I'm interested to see if there's not either some, right-sided uh right-handed guys that can mix in with some of the the these strong left-sided girls and all obviously being left-handed uh uh, would help that situation a lot so it's kind of an interesting dynamic and i think we might see it a little more frequently with these really strong left-side women uh kind of pairing up with maybe a, a different vibe on the mixed court with some of these guys you're saying with with lefty guys or even righty guys that right that right so exactly right exactly either or obviously yeah. it makes more sense for the lefty ha- having that lefty in the in the yeah. middle but Crin and i had a little bit of success doing that we kind of you know fell off at the end of it but uh yeah. just me being the right side player and her preferring left and, and women's uh, well, i'll just see if moving forward if that combination happens a little bit more frequently as opposed to the standard uh kind of mix mixed lineup yeah yeah yeah, things things will change in pickleball, right? Like new new ways of playing will will kind of come out, and yeah, I think I, I think it's still early days in terms of overall strategy and what what can be done to optimize and maximize performance. And yeah, I mean, I talked about I talked about right side guy, left side female, even right side right handed guy uh, a little bit last year, and then I tried it out and I was like, oh, this is really bad. it did not not go well yeah yeah Uh, for sure for sure (laughs) but also also i'm not great on the right in in the first place and uh but i i I think it can work i agree with you and especially especially the lefty guy makes a lot of sense so yeah so uh no and and to uh to touch on what you said is i think a lot of the guys that end up being rock solid right players. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a rock solid right player, but I think I'm one of the better right side players out there. I I started playing left. So for years, like two or three years without playing right at all, whether it was mixed or men's. So committing to that role, knowing how different it is and knowing that the fact that it is so different it is a different skill set and you have to commit to that and spend some period of time uh focusing on the kind of the the nuance and the little details that that the right side uh player uh needs to have as they don't have as a left side player so i think that that's really important and it's not it's not just so easy as switching from left to right you got to really commit to it 100% and i still think it's, I still think it's a big opportunity in the men's side, right? To there's just not that many good right side players yet, you know, lefty. Yeah. You get a lefty guy. It's kind of built in, right? You can both play your own strong side, which is 
probably the ideal ideal um, partnership for on the men's side and probably women's side is having you know a lefty righty that are both that are both strong side players. Uh, two forehands in the middle. That's probably the most optimized partnership that you can have. Um, but in terms of guys focusing on the right, you still don't see it a ton. Um, and also just not stacking. Are there many people that are just playing straight up nowadays? Uh, I think it's pretty rare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. I, mean, like I, I would say a stacked men's field or, a, you know, a major men's tournament, I'd say 20%, 25% or less that, that are, that are just playing straight up and playing their side where, wherever it may be uh, more and more established. Every tournament roles, you must be, yep. uh, the talent's too good. You can't just Dude, bounce it's too around. Hard. It's too hard to play yeah. both sides. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta be really good at one of the sides and they're very yeah. different skill sets. Like we talk about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, I think the percentage of people playing straight up in a legit pro tournament is very low. Yeah. And it's only going to get lower in my opinion. You're going to have really, really defined roles and that's going to keep, that's going to keep happening. Yeah, definitely. So that, keep puts, yeah. So that puts, uh, just to recap the fives, that is Simone Jargine, Lena Pedegamiate, <laughs> Rob, uh, uh, Rob Nunnery and Ben Newell. So that is the top three picks of that, uh, waiver wire draft, the shuffle draft, they like to call it. And the fourth pick went to team clean. And that was, Federico stacks rude. So up and coming doubles well, player. Uh, we, wait, uh, I think fed was the third pick. Cause we had the fourth. Oh, was, pick. oh so you, okay. So that's my bad. So, so fed, fed was fed got picked ahead of uh, Ben, of Ben Newell. So Ben Newell yeah. is the fourth pick to the fives. And the third yeah. pick was uh, Federico to team clean. His yeah. teammates are Maggie Ramenzi, Regina Franco and Deckel Barr. As we all know, fed uh, absolute stud on the singles court. Uh, great results, uh, almost, almost never lays an egg from the, the draws that I see. He's just right in the mix. He might not medal, but he's fourth, fifth or sixth. So consistent, really solid singles player and really, uh, improving his doubles game. He, uh, training down there with Simone. He's putting in a lot of hours. I hear he's committed, uh, which is a huge factor and, uh, we'll see what he can bring in doubles. So I think it's a very interesting pick. Obviously they get tied up two two. uh, that's a great player to have on your team, uh, yeah. for the dream breaker. Uh, and we'll just have to see how he responds to the big stage, uh, in the doubles environment. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a little unique in the doubles environment too, right? Because rally scoring, um, I don't know. I think it lends itself to kind of the the drive and the streaky play and kind of get hot and you can run off a few points versus like the grind them out side out scoring, which, you know, you need to score on your own serve and your own thirds. Um, it's just different. It's different. And I think it, it allows guys to perform a little bit better in doubles than, you know, call it side out scoring. Gotcha. And I think that, uh, the statement that you made earlier is maybe being overlooked a little bit that the fact that this is an indoor venue, everybody that plays pickleball knows that indoor and outdoor pickleball are very, very different. different. And I'm not talking about just gym floor. I'm talking about tennis surface, regular pickleball, pickleball inside is just different. So, uh, you know, someone who's one of those singles guys that maybe. Uh, you know, hasn't had the results or hasn't fully, you know, developed their doubles game in this, this format with, uh, uh, you know, uh, being inside and, and kind of 
you know, wanting to let it fly a little bit, it could, it could really work out. It could really work out. So we'll just have to, just have to see. I think before we got on the air, you're talking about Atlanta being, you know, 85 and warm and, you know, September heat, humid, you know, talking about Columbus in October indoors, you know, that's, it's going to be 72 climate controlled, no humidity, as you would say, Rob, that's cramping weather. That's, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly right. You know, like a crisp 68, a crisp 68 on the West coast, you know, when you're not, you're not even thinking about staying hydrated. That's when it really gets you, Rob. Come on. Let's be clear about that. Every, every amount of weather is cramping weather. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it is great. So, uh, yeah. So that, like we said, that is the, that was the third pick Federico Ben Newell, the fourth pick and my team, like I mentioned, had the fifth pick. And we went with Hunter Johnson, probably one of the more unknown players uh, that was picked up on that on that on that waiver wire. And he had a very good run recently in singles, uh, knocked off Tyson McGuffin, had a good run that we talked about last podcast, but definitely has not had any real significant doubles results. But he has been playing a lot. He's been training with Viv David. He has that great tennis uh, background and he's only been playing for a short amount of time so this is definitely an upside play it was very very difficult I felt like there was four or five guys that were right in a clump there that I couldn't really differentiate too much and it was a tough spot to be in uh with with what to pick on that on that on that fifth one so we decided to go with the upside and the rapport with Viv and uh it was very very much not an easy decision so uh we talked about we talked about this last episode it's like i wonder what yates is feeling like hey damn hunter got <laughs> <laughs> sorry yates uh yeah well if i can if i yeah sorry yates <laughs> so uh yeah i think it's i think it's a good fit i don't know hunter super well but from what i've gathered he's going to be a good teammate and and uh be a be a cool guy on court and off court uh, throughout that, that Ohio MLP. So uh, excited to have him on the team. And as, as I mentioned that it was, it was a tough call between several people. I'm from what I've seen from him, I'm confident in his abilities and I'm, I'm excited for the tournament. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Cause there's a lot of on the men's side. Anyways, there's a lot of pickups that are upside picks versus established versus established um you know long-term result picks they've been listening to the pod rock picks must have been listening to the pod (laughs) but it it is pretty wild right like and it's interesting because it seems like teams are putting heavier weight on singles and mixed Mm -hmm. right as as maybe they should i think i think the ignatowicz pick from last mlp prove that you can have a you can have a guy come in that doesn't have the men's results or even the mixed results and can still perform and do well in this team environment so it's it's interesting to see and it's fascinating to see if that kind of blueprint holds up going into this next mlp because we got a handful of guys that are great players that aren't playing an mlp that have been around for a long time established doubles players really good we got the Edens, Altoffs. Um, I don't know who else is missing there, but um, really, really good. Rob Cassidy. Player. Rob Cassidy. Cat- yeah. Great player. It's, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. It's really tough. So, uh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree with you. And I think that 
it's also it's also tough to fully uh, read the talent of the kind of the guys that haven't been in the game as long because I think a big factor with that the more established pros are going to have a slightly better uh, uh, slightly better partners in general. So some of those really talented upside players on men and women, they're they're losing eight and seven or they're going three with a good team, but not winning and not getting the results because as a whole, their partners are a little bit not at the level of some of the more established players. So it's another Great point, another factor and another point that it's just so hard to know and so hard to read the talent levels when you have all these kind of extra and you know those these little extra factors that that are popping in so it's it's just very tough and i just think i just i mean i've said it so many times the format's so cool so much to talk about so many things going on uh and there's just so many questionable is this right is this wrong what is what what is this decision i'm not so sure and it's going to take a while for it to get more structured and ironed out what is the correct play so it's it's a uh, it's a, it's a total shit show for this season and probably the next couple of seasons on, on what is the actual best strategy. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, who would you say, who would you say made the best mid season moves here? Mid season moves. Well, uh, some of the trades uh, were obviously, um, you know, pretty big and, big factors, big, big shuffle, big changes. Uh, a lot of the waiver wire pickups, it's re- replacing a solid guy with another solid guy, or maybe replacing a solid guy with someone who has a little bit more upside. But I feel like the trades sometimes can be a little more lopsided and be a little more impactful than a pickup. So, uh, yeah, so that that's what I would say about a couple of the trades. There's, you know, you got big time players like Vivian David and AJ Kohler switching spots. You know, you got a Kawamoto switching. Uh, you know, some some of those trades were probably uh, a little more impactful than some of the pickups. You got a favorite going into Columbus? Do I have a favorite? Uh, well, of course, the Jackrabbits. <laughs> My, <laughs> of course, of course the, the Jack. But outside the of our own teams. Yes, yes, right. Outside of our own teams. Um, I think who, who would you be? Who would who would you who would you be um, the most concerned with going into it? Going the into most a match. Concerned. The most Concern concerned. might not be the right word, but um, you, you, you know what? I, I will pick. I will pick my former team, the Mad Drops. We talked about it last time. How ha- probably, or who knows, but probably having two high-end girls could be a better option than having two high-end guys. So uh, the fact that they have Julian so Arnold got, and AJ yeah. Kohler, and no offense to the ladies who are very solid, but possibly just given their draft slots uh, a little bit lower uh, ranked probably players. Two number uh, we'll, two we'll, women, probably. Right, two number two women. So we'll we'll have. Yeah. I think that that will be my pick. Of we'll see how it works out. Can the guys take control and mixed and clean up in men's and you know win some matches three one or are they going to struggle a little bit more in mixed or possibly try to do uh, too much taking too much court? So that that'll be my pick uh, for just to see how it works out with two high end guys and two number two girls. And I think you just have to stick with uh, uh, the ranchers as the favorite uh, just because of how good they looked uh, 
uh, that last tournament and the fact that they do have that combination of of solid and upside. So I know Paris is planning on being back. So that obviously raises BLQK's uh, uh, chances. But I'm, I'm going to stick with the ranchers as the favorite and Mad Drops as the wild card to see how their team construction works out. No doubt. I'm yeah. Same page. It'll be really cool to see how, yeah, like it's the, it's the reverse of what the ranchers built, right? You have two number one men, um, ultimately with, 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 um, two kind of number two females. I'm also like, I think the, I don't remember exactly what the trade was to get Andre and Kyle together, but those are also two, two very good men um that also have george georgia and sierra gain leach which which who was picked up um in the supplemental draft and i i I look at that team and i'm like that's that's going to be a dangerous team i think sierra's um highly underrated i think she's very good she's got i remember playing her the first time last year at some point and i was you know doing my typical my typical flips and she like I was picking different spots and they weren't bad flips. Like they were, they were good. And she was, she was on all of them. And I was like, Oh, like her hands are, her hands are good. Uh, Obviously there's other stuff she needs to work on. And I think at that time she wasn't fully committed to pickleball and I'm not sure if she is now, but I just know that she's got a lot of upside and a lot of talent. And I think that was a great pickup for that team. And of course, Georgia has shown what she can do this year. So that's going to be a formidable team, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, so uh, Sierra Gaetan Leach, uh, definitely not super well known. Usually, say it? Or did I think you it's Gaetan. Did you just Sierra say Gaetan that just Leach? to just to rub it in my face? No, I have no idea. What did you say? <laughs> uh, Gaetan Leach. I don't know oh, which is right. Gaetan Gaetan. Who really knows? Anyway, she's <laughs> uh, she mostly stays over on the West Coast. Yeah. And it doesn't kind of Eric Langish a little bit, you know, plays some of those West Coast tournaments, doesn't always travel central or eastern. So but yes, I think that she has solid power. I think she has a solid wingspan. I know she has a pretty decent tennis background. Not sure exactly the specifics, but I think that that could be the type of player that you would want to pick up. So uh, and and just uh, as you mentioned, I believe that the trade was Susanna Barr and John Sincola from the eights for Millie Rain and Kyle Yates. So Millie ended up getting dropped yeah. uh, and not picked up, but that was the trade that that kind of initiated that and, and made those teams what they are for this for this uh, Ohio MLP. So so let's go ahead and move on to what well, we'll talk about Sierra Gaetan Leach first. Yep. Uh, yep, she yep. got picked up by the hard eights, like we said, and that was, I believe that was the number two pick. So the number two pick and the number one pick was Lacey Schneeman. Yep. So a uh, younger player. She, I think she was like 23 or 24. She's not a very big thing, but she had, she was pretty much all muscle. So she looked Mm. very physical, smooth, easy power. looked like she was moving very well. And that little glimpse didn't have a lot of margin for error on some of her aggressive shots, but, but she, she didn't miss a lot either. So, Mm. uh, Definitely different being an established player on the team as opposed to a fill-in or or a replacement. So we'll see how she responds. And I honestly have no idea. She's a total wild card with her her experience, her age, and just, you know, a lot of people not knowing much about her. So I think it could be a – I think it could possibly be – 
uh, a rough showing with some inconsistencies, or she might just play just like she did last time and and uh, and, and be great, a, a great addition. Yeah, and be a great <laughs> addition. So <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that that is another another high risk, high reward play, and we've seen a lot of those. And mm. that's just what it that's just what it is. So uh, two high risk, high reward plays in my opinion, and then the third woman picked up by the Mad Drops is Lee Whitwell. So I thought this one was kind of interesting, uh, dropping Corinne and going with Lee. They're very, very similar uh, type players in mix, kind of hang out on the right side, hold down their area. But I do think it was kind of dropping one player and getting another player that's super similar. So I was thinking maybe they would go with some more upside or maybe someone no offense to Lee uh, in the 40 plus club that uh, I'm in there too with you, Lee. So uh, uh, that, that something more in the vein of Lacey Schneeman, uh, yeah. a younger player with some more offense, but not quite as refined of a soft game. So uh, I, I wouldn't label it like crazy or totally interesting, just kind of uh, kind of uh, giving up one thing and kind of getting that same thing back in my opinion. Yeah, and we haven't seen we haven't seen too many of those moves, right? Where you're kind of replacing a player with a similar style player. Usually, if we're seeing or seeing a trade or a or a drop in a pickup, it's it's like you said, it's it's looking for the higher upside, and um, and and some of it might be like like on our end, right side player looking for a lefty kind of thing um, in terms of getting people on court in their most comfortable positions, Michael Lena being on the left for us um, and mixed. So some of it might be based around that, but agree. Like I agree. I think, I think if you're going to, if you're going to make a trade or a drop, I think you have to, you have to, this is the last event of the year too. We haven't really talked about that. Like I, a lot of teams are just throwing caution to the wind and saying, Hey, let's, let's roll the dice and make a run for it and see what we can do indoors the last event of the year before the teams kind of all dissolve and go into a new draft next year so this is kind of everybody's last run at it yeah right and and you know maybe they were uh hoping to drop corinne and then possibly get the first or second pick and it didn't work out for him with the lottery so they had maybe maybe had a player or two in mind that they were going to go for for upside they got the third pick instead of the first or second and just decided to go with some safety there with Lee Whitwell. And I think that makes sense as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm no exact, I don't know exactly, uh, the thought process there, but that, that last scenario that I brought up would make sense, uh, to me for sure. Yeah. Any more MLP moves? I believe that's all eight. So we had, yeah, the eight shuffle. I know that was a lot of names and a lot of, uh, you know, moving around between the teams. Uh, So it seemed a little chaotic uh, when we were talking about it, but there's a lot of shuffles, a lot of drops. And I think that has a lot to do. I think that with these eight, these eight drops, I think if this was the, uh, the second MLP or maybe next year, if they do end up doing more than three, if it was the second or third, I don't think we would have seen eight drops, but no. this being the last one and kind of the last two raw, let's, let's uh, let it fly. I think that that amount of drops and team shuffling up makes sense. Yeah, I agree. And I think generally speaking it, you know, I don't know how they're going to do it next year, but I like the, like, I like the idea of maybe having a trade, a trade window once a season, right? 
maybe, maybe it's mid season. I don't know. Um, but I like the idea of having team continuity where like you saw this when I, when I would talk to Casey Patterson about pro beach volleyball, it's like, you know, you, you and your team, your partner, you guys live in the same place. You train, you're not just showing up to these events, hoping to be good and hoping to work well together and mesh well together. It's, it's preparation. It's, it's actually training with your team, um, which we don't see a lot of that in pickleball really yet in terms of partnerships and people playing tournaments together. So I really like the idea of having training blocks with your team where you actually, you know, go, it's a perfect amount of people to actually have great training too. You have two guys, two women, and you get good games, you get good drilling. And I think it's, I think it'd be really cool to see team continuity and actual team training together. And I think, who knows what happens with prize money next year, but I'm assuming it's going to go up. It hasn't been going down. So, you know, stakes are going to be a little higher and I think it's going to be, you know, I always said it with BLQK. One thing that makes them good is Richie does a really, really, and Justin Watson, they do a really good job with team chemistry and team bonding and, and meshing that team really well. And, you know, staying at the same Airbnb, having dinners together, like that, all that stuff matters a lot. So I, I, I think, I think no, that's no, the I, way it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we, we talked about it before these, the, the, the physical I'm better than you at pickleball edges are, are less and less every tournament. So you, you better have some extra edges that you can gain. And that's a great way to do it. So uh, I, th- I think that you could see that moving forward too, as well, Rob, uh, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these players are teaching a little bit on the side. So maybe as that, that prize mode get prize pool rises instead of, teaching a three-day camp or clinic uh you fly somewhere with your team and practice and for the for those three or four days and since the you know the uh compensation is better you might not have to teach that clinic or those lessons and you could focus more on your team chemistry and i think that that's something i could very much see happening moving forward yeah agreed exciting times though because it's you know we'll we're kind of winding down 2022 and the the tours will be releasing their schedules for next year. I, I expect the APP to be back. I expect PPA to be back, expect MLP to be back. So it looks like we're going to have a little rerun of 2022 where we have all these competing tours and organizations. And I think it's just going to be kind of that beefed up on steroids next year with, with these things, these things, I can see this, these competitions happening for two, three years, it's hard for me to picture all these tours existing and lasting beyond that um, separately. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how it all shakes out next year, because I imagine like, you know, we're talking about a bunch of big moves with players dropped and waived and picked up in the supplemental draft. There's going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be a lot of big moves and interesting moves and exciting stuff happening with the tours and tours in the leagues next year. So pumped to kind of see where all that shakes out and where it leads. And, it will be really interest, interested to see um, how how tours lock down players or if they try to do that. Um, PPA obviously already does that. So it'll be interesting to see if they make a, a big run at some of the APP MLP players and, you know, kind of inversely what what APP and MLP do to to try to keep their talent so that they can keep playing MLP and APP. No, I agree. And I've, I've had a lot of, of very successful business people just talk about how in situations like this usually somebody wins out so like you said i think 
that for some period of time, whatever that period of time may be, that all three entities are going to continue. But two, three, five years down the road, there could very well be a winner or some form of consolidation between the the three entities. So I'm it's it's just it's just super interesting. And let's like it seems a little established. We've had the tournaments, we've had the tours, we've had all this, but it's only been eight or nine months since the beginning of the year when everything was a disaster. Like we had, we had Dundon, we had Steve Kuhn, we had all this going on. It hasn't even been a year. It hasn't even been a year since all that was happening. And there's no, there's no real off season in pickleball, but I think the winter kind of start of a new year time just kind of has that feel of some of these tours and some of these entities kind of creating a splash and making something happen in the next two or three months before we get 2023 underway. Totally. And on that note, we saw at MLP Newport that PPA had a, I believe it was Skechers Invitational that same weekend. And I think at the time I, and I was under the assumption that, you know, it just happened to fall on the same weekend. They, it wasn't intentional. What is intentional is PPA just announced a, uh, an event the same weekend as MLP Columbus, October 14, 16. <laughs> I believe it's the, the Frisco, Texas roundup or something like that. And I think the, the formats to be announced. So, I mean, it, it now it's very clear, right? It's like, you're going to throw you're going to throw your event that weekend. We're going to throw a competing event and try to steal some of those eyeballs and try to take, take market share. So keep, keep, keep going, fellas, keep battling. Hey, at least they, at least they made it in a different state this time. It wasn't like an, it wasn't <laughs> like the road. an hour away. Yeah. Off the road. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, overall good for pickleball, in my opinion, right? It's um, maybe not great for MLP, maybe not great for PPA, maybe not a good look, what, whatever it may be at the end of the day, they're competing for market share. And from a player's perspective, it's great, right? Because the, the more they compete, the more the prize purse goes up, um, the better the perks get. Like it's, it's great for, in my opinion, it's great for pro players. It's just going to, it's just going to keep raising the bar and the player experience and keep elevating the pro game. For sure. And uh, just, uh, you also mentioned this about maybe some switcheroos between APP and PPA players where PPA players, a couple of them might not have been thrilled with whatever their compensation, how they were marketed. I don't know, whatever. And they might drop their contract or try to uh, get out of it or not resign so that they can play what they want to and be more uh, diverse and play some more APPs. And it might go the complete opposite way with, I don't know, say maybe someone like uh, I know, I know people, uh, Paris up and coming. I know she has a decent kind of following on social media as kind of fashion and whatever else she does. I don't really know, but I'm just saying that could be someone PPA could target and, uh, try to give, give her a good contract or, or one of the guys that has had a, a nice year on the APP tour and try to get them over to the PPA. So I have no doubt that that's going to happen. So we'll just have to see it. But I do think that that's going to happen before the 2023 season. So these next couple months, uh, we'll say a lot about it. Totally. And I remember, I think it was after Paris beat Anna Lee and San Clemente at the, at the orange County cup, uh, PPA put out a post on socials with about Paris, like with an announcement coming soon, kind of alluding to the fact that they like, they were about to sign her and then uh, they, and then they quickly deleted that post. Like, <laughs> why, why would you even, I would you even tease yeah, that so. if 
Right. Not, right. If it's not inked. So, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And and I know that say someone like uh, the Johnson family, they have a pretty decent connection and loyalty to the APP. They kind of got mm-hmm. started with and I'm kind of coming to their own as players and been really successful on the APP tour. Do they have a number that the PPA can offer? Would they refuse everything to stay with the APP? Who, who knows? So uh, I think a lot of those are, are really interesting. I mean, that's a cool dynamic with the family. They're highly coveted. They do extremely well in all the events. Yep. Is, is the PPA going to make a play for the family? Who knows? And they're good people. Like that's yeah. like, if you're looking for like, if you're looking for good people to kind of like rep your organization or tour, it doesn't get much better than the Johnsons. Like J-Dub's a great, just a great dude. George is awesome. Julie and Jack are probably some of my favorite people to see at tournaments, just all around good people. And I think great for the sport. And yeah, I think Franklin saw that, right? Adam and those guys over at Franklin. And I think that was a great pickup by them signing. You know, I know the Johnsons held out for a while trying to figure out what the best move for them is. And, and really pumped that they got to Franklin because um, especially as a package deal, right? That's pretty cool in terms of being able to have your whole, your whole family kind of a part of the same thing. So well, um, Franklin family, Johnson family. It just, it, it, hey, it felt right. Hey, hey. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hard to find the right balance of it feels right, you know, because all, a lot of the stuff we do does feel right, but you don't want to say it too much, you know? So you got to, you got to balance it out and just kind of pick your spots perfectly. When to say I think you do right. a really good job of picking your spots perfectly, well, just like well, you th- do in pickleball. Well, thank you, Robert. It's I won't be, pleasure. I won't be picking any spots in Chicago on court with you, unfortunately though, but we'll, we're, we're going to get back after it. Uh, Houston open. That's the one we're looking for. That's yeah, so, we'll, so we'll, we'll play MLP mid October and then we'll go mm-hmm. straight over to Houston, your hometown. Can, can you, can you just, I don't know why I think about it, but every time I think about Houston and you, I just think about that story you told me. Um, and I've got, I've got to discuss. Oh God. Also oh God. Oh, hey, yeah. No, be careful. I've told you a lot of stories, Robert. The right one. <laughs> so the one about you being in your car and then just driving off with your. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, we, let's just, yeah. That's, that's can we not tell a good it? one. No, we cannot tell it. We absolutely cannot tell it. No, Come no, no. On. It's so good. <laughs> no. uh, we'll, we'll choose another time for that one. I got a gross story. Can oh, I tell gosh. it? Is it about me? No, it was from like my childhood when I was like a kid and it was like, still to this day, it's confusing to me, but, um, funny too. So I remember just like I was in the backyard. I don't know how old, not, not, not very old, maybe call it 10, 9, 10, 11, who knows. And I'm just throwing the football with a friend, but like, not like a close friend from the neighborhood. It was like a friend that I knew when I was younger, like maybe five or six, and then like kind of reconnected with him somehow or parents reconnected and he came over for a little bit but he wasn't the same as i remembered he was a little different a little weirder (laughs) not as cool as i remember but you know we're in the situation where we're hanging out because he's here for the day and we gotta we gotta hang out so we're throwing the football and i just remember um, throwing him the football he drops the football and then i see him kind of like make a little squinty face i'm like what's Mm -hmm. he doing and then i'm not kidding I see a little droplet go down his short leg into the grass. Ugh. And then he picks it up, <laughs> not kidding, and throws it. I'm like, like 
a nugget just, of poop, like a little nugget. He dropped it. He, he dropped, dropped the turd, it. picked it up with his bare hand, and threw it into the woods. Hey, what, what's the first time? What's the chance that's the first time that's happened, Rob? That's that is that's a disturbing story. I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, but it kind of felt feels like it was just kind of standard for him to do. Well, that, no, is, he he didn't. He wasn't phased at all. It was just normal. <laughs> it was oh wild. man, yeah, yeah. Let's just hey. drop down, picked it up. But, but it's already in the grass. Why are you like picking it up and throwing in the woods? That is a very reasonable statement. Uh, Needless to say, I did not. He he picked up the football after that. I walked inside. Yes. No. Yeah. For sure. So it was man. So uh, perplexing. Yeah. It's fun to it's fun to talk about MLP, but maybe we should just talk about stories from your childhood. That was (laughs) that's a little it's a little disturbing for sure. (laughs) But again, you can see why I'm so confused to this day. Just it doesn't really make a lot of sense of why that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's several things. Yeah. But it did. Okay. And uh, Robert, thanks for sharing. Appreciate that. Appreciate cool. that. <laughs> you know why I shared? Uh, you know exactly that? why I shared. Yes, exactly. I, it, it, yes, it I felt do. Right. It felt right. Uh, so, so yeah. What 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 else we got here? Uh, uh, looks like we're creeping up on an hour, and I, uh, we talked like about I, like I said. We're this is presented by the Dink, and you know what I do oh, to yeah. find find topics. Yes, I look yes, at the Dink yes. newsletter because there's no better place. And pickleball to find what's happening at pickleball than the Dink newsletter. There we do have the Gronk, the Gronk slam, the Gronk, well, the slam, the spike, the the smash. Gronk, Gronk. Uh, I think it all works. I think it all works. But uh, yes, but a shout out to the Dink. They've done some some editing for us, and they've done a couple little short clips uh, with some with some funny things. And I think it's all it's all been great. I appreciate them. So we got a few. I got a few notes here. So we uh, got to give Riley. Give Riley a shout out. He's, I know he's thrown out the first pitch at the Mariners game at some time, September, I believe it is, which will be, which will just be cool for pickleball as a whole. Right. And I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's from Seattle. I know he lives in Phoenix, he is. but I think he, he okay, is originally uh, from Seattle played yes. like went to Seattle. You, University I believe that's correct. And I, and I think, I think him and I think him and Tyson actually had quite a, quite a few battles in junior tennis, if I remember oh, really? hearing that correctly. And I don't think they liked each other very much, to be honest, uh, not shocking. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yes, he's definitely from that PNW area. And I believe it was, I don't know if it's university of Seattle, Seattle university, whatever, yeah. but I, I believe that's correct for Riley. Go ahead. No, it's just so really, really cool that he's, he's able to throw out the first pitch at, uh, at the Mariners game. That's a, that'll be a cool experience. And I just saw that Simone and J-Dub will be throwing out the first pitch at the, at the White Sox game, I believe tomorrow night. So that would be, Sweet. that would be uh, the third August 31st, which is, which is awesome too. Um, so it, it's wild. We're just seeing, we're seeing pickleball become more of a mainstream thing. Like it's, it's getting more and more rare when, you know, I get on a plane with a pickleball bag and people are like, what's pickleball? Like, like most people know now they've heard of it. It's, it's, it's catching on in all the mainstream publications. It's getting extremely rare for people not to have heard of it, at least, even if they don't know exactly what it is or how it's played, they've at least heard the word, which, sure. you know, we get, you know, pickleball gets a lot of flack for its name, but you know, in terms of marketing, it's a, it's a, you don't forget it. You don't forget pickleball. Yeah. If it were, it, let's say if it was paddle ball, you'd probably forget it and you'd get it confused with a different sport. Like, is it, you know, what are you using? But right. pickleball, I, I, I think it's, I think the name's perfect. Yeah, no, I, it's, it is great to see, uh, because let's be clear. There's, 
I don't know, 50,000 plus junkie pickleball junkies on the pickleball forum. But, you know, if there's pickleball on the Ellen show or Kelly Clarkson's talking about it or whatever, uh, those junkies see that. But when that's how you get it to someone who hasn't heard anything, it's, it's a show like that. It's the today show it's mm-hmm. Ellen DeGeneres it's this or that. So just, you know, having it around and having heard it from the masses uh, there's just a better chance and a better shot. They're going to go out and try to play or, or possibly hear it from their friend. And maybe they heard it somewhere else and they're like, Hey, I'll, tr- I'll give this a try. So I think that that's great. And you really do see it more and more, not just famous people talking about it on famous shows. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great time. I saw, I don't remember what article it was, but there was some article that was written that was talking about like, the conspiracy behind pickleball. Like it's, it's, you know, like that Bravo because it was on Vanderpump rules with Randall Emmett. (laughs) There's some deep conspiracy about like pickleball being highlighted. And I think the dink actually posted it, but uh, maybe we can find, we can find that article and and clip it to the show notes. But it was, it was quite humorous because it was talking about how there's this deep conspiracy with pickleball and how the media (laughs) is trying to own it and sell all these products based on it. And that's why it was on Bravo and all these other publications and tv shows <laughs> no interesting but i, I yeah. did see the clip of the gronk smash and then mm-hmm. i saw what looked like a short slightly chubby middle-aged man fly in from out <laughs> off screen and, and give him a shoulder bump and i believe that was ryan sherry and i believe like sherry <laughs> looked sherry looked like a mm, mm, I, oh i almost said a bad word like a little, i said he looked like a little meatball just kind of jumping in yeah, there. He looked all tiny compared to Gronk. <laughs> oh, it was funny. He like just bounced off him too. Like Gronk didn't yes. even like budge or move. Yeah. That's a large man. Yeah. God, he's a, he's a tank, man. You're exactly right. He did, it didn't phase him for a second. I mean, he, Sherry looked like he Sherry, ran Sherry, a Sherry, wall. Sherry flew in with all with, he was off the ground. It was all his weight. Gronk. It was like yeah. a, it was nothing. So, uh, but yeah, it's just, you see those little clips whatever drew Brees, gronkowski uh it could be the the cubs bullpen guys on a rain delay yeah. making a makeshift court in the bullpen i mean that's that's good exposure that's good stuff and it just shows that you know any anybody can become a become a junkie these guys these guys are professional athletes and they're 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 obsessed with this with this crazy game you know what i want to see and i want i want listeners to submit these I want to see pickleball courts set up in the most random spots. Mm-hmm. Like I saw one that looked like maybe it was like sand. And they're like, if this bounces, this is going to be epic. Just random places, right? Like that's, that's what I love about pickleball is how accessible it is to anybody. All you need is basically a net, some paddles, a ball, and um, you know, some chalk or something to make lines. And then you have a pickleball court. It's it's yeah. so accessible. And, you know, we look at the growth of Padel in Europe and people are like, well, you know, Padel is the fastest growing sport in the world. And it's like, OK, but you need like glass walls. It's a it's you need real infrastructure to create Padel courts everywhere. Pickleball, you just need a net and you know some chalk and you have you have a pickleball court no matter where you are, which is why I think it's going to be significantly bigger than Padel based purely on that fact. Yeah. we saw it, uh, especially early in the quarantine, it was a perfect quarantine sport for families. So I, I know, 
a couple paddle companies, maybe the paddle sales kind of stagnated or even went down a little bit, but those, those quick start nets and the little kits for the families and the four packs of paddles and balls, uh, that stuff was flying off the shelves. And I know Corinne's sponsor company Vulcan, I think that they ran out of stock of some of that stuff because people were so into it and it could be a cul-de-sac. I saw one on a, I saw one on a frozen lake where they were playing, you know, like it's, it's cool to see. It's it's very, very cool to see that stuff. And it was, uh, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe the, uh, the pandemic, you know, got more people involved with the sport. So just, I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah. No doubt about lining there. Yeah. Are you saying you're glad the pandemic happened Adam? Uh, I, 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 I don't want to upset anyone. I, don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty low key guy. So the pandemic wasn't the worst thing for me. You know, I just kind of stayed in my routine, did a little less travel. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like an ideal situation for you, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So spend it with the prof. That's a, that's always nice. 100%. So do we want to preview anything, any upcoming tournaments or anything? We'll just give you a rundown of what's coming up yeah, versus, I, I, going I like into, that. versus going right. into actual matchups. We'll do, we'll do recaps and stuff like that. But so we Chicago, Chicago open APP this weekend. I don't think PPA has anything going on this weekend, but the following weekend will be the Atlanta APP down in Griffin, Georgia. And then you also have the Cincinnati PPA, which I believe I just saw in the Dink newsletter that it's a Grand Slam, which I did not know before. We've talked about that. It's uh, it's yeah. interesting not knowing what the Grand Slams are. So um, we'll be yeah, curious to see. And, and that's well, I was just going to just mention, sorry for interrupting, that that no, is no, the Chicago tournament this upcoming weekend, I believe, is a 50K. Mm-hmm. And it's a tier, it's a tier one, but the APP Metro is a 65 K it's a golden ticket tournament and it's a tier one. So that, so if it's the same weekend as the PPA major in Cincinnati, that, that is, that's interesting information for me. I, I did not know that that was classified as a, as a major. And yeah, that's, that's, that's surprising to have those on the same weekend. I haven't looked at the entrance list, but Kind of curious to see if if any of kind of the APP mainstay players are jumping over to play the quote unquote Grand Slam in Cincinnati to to you know to do that, just, or if they'll just, just play the Atlanta tournament. Right, right, yeah. Just just so everyone knows, uh, these tournaments that are majors that we you hear us talk about these tier one, tier two tournaments, maybe a major or a Grand Slam. It all goes for points rankings. And this can affect your stipend that you get from the APP. So the rankings are important for seedings and other things, but it's also very important for an appearance fee and a stipend and what level that you get on. So you could, some of these, uh, usually the events are 250, 500 and a thousand points. And so you could, you could possibly win a 250 point tournament and then maybe just win a couple matches in a major and still get a similar amount of points. So the, the, what tournament and how many points it is, is a huge factor for uh, uh, later in, in the year and, and the following year of where you slot in for your appearance fee and your stipend. Yeah. And we talked about that. I, th- I believe it's on a rolling 12 month calendar too, right? Which correct, which has been rough on me. And I think you said you too, just purely because I haven't been able to play very much this year due to health. And so all, all of my, all of my solid results, not all of them, but I had some decent results at the end of last year, but 
most of my results, you know, meddling throughout the summer and early last year um, have, have dropped off. Right. So, you know, I think at the beginning of the year at the APPs that I was going to play, I was probably in the top, I think I was around four or five based on men's and mixed results, those two events. And, um, you know, all those, all those results from last year have kind of fallen off the calendar now. So you have to, you know, when those points fall off, you have to replace them by playing new tournaments and getting new results, which I obviously haven't done. So, so that's uh kind of, yeah, it's just kind of something you look at in terms of getting appearance fees and stipends and, and not paying entry fees, which is a, which is a big deal. Right. Cause even with Chicago and Atlanta coming up for me, like my, all since my results fell off, I don't think I'm in that top 10 anymore. So I'm paying entry fees, not getting the, not getting the stipend. So it's like, you're going from, you're going from getting a appearance fee of call it a thousand or 1500 bucks to, and not paying entry fees to now not getting that thousand or 1500 and paying 400 to play. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big difference in terms of, you know, kind of the, the pro playing experience if you're in that stipend range versus not. Yeah. And, and you also get a $200 hotel stipend as well. So, yeah. so it would be, so basically I think right when all this APP PPA stuff was happening, uh, I've, I've fallen off very much too in the rankings, but I was getting $1,500 to go to the tournament plus 200 for the stipend. So 17, I don't have to pay the 400 of entry fees and at a PPA, I would have to pay the 400. So, yeah. so why would I mean, you it's like, it's just like, uh, sure. I mean, I like to play, you know, I've, I've played plenty of PPAs in the past, but you know, with, with this large slate of APP tier one tournaments, it makes absolutely no sense to travel to the West coast, uh, to play a very tough field when at the APPs, I'm, uh, you know, I don't have to pay entry fees and, and I'm making a little money going. So it's, and just, you're getting the same amount of ranking points. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, uh, it's just, yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's just what it was and, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. I'll be curious to see if they update kind of the way that works next year as well. I'm sure there'll be some adjustments, some changes. Um, I know they take on the APP side anyways, they take two out of three of your best events. So like we talked about before we got on the air here, um, a lot of the singles guys are passing, right? Because, you know, they're, they're racking up points in singles and maybe not doing great in men's or mix, but they're just meddling in every singles event. So those, those results are just, you know, piling on. Yeah. Stacks rude. Yeah. Stacks rude. Stacks rude and Sincola are perfect examples. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. So they're, uh, uh, I, I can't remember whatever it was six months ago, but they weren't terribly close to me if i remember correctly and those guys kill it in singles so uh they're almost always meddling if they're not meddling like i said they're getting fourth maybe fifth or sixth so those points add up and so i've gotten passed up by both those guys and possibly someone else so uh yeah so there's a little bit of talk i mean i think it makes sense to have those those two out of three in some regard but i've also heard people say that you shouldn't intertwine the doubles and the singles, maybe have a separate uh, level of stipends for the guys in single guys and girls in singles, and then maybe have the two doubles uh, as a situation as well. I, I have no idea what they're going to do for next year, but I, I could see some changes coming. Yeah, no, I, I think including singles is interesting. Um, yeah. I, I believe it's a less kind of premier event than, than both doubles. I think 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see. It, it's easily it's easy for us to say, right, as biased doubles players, but <laughs> <laughs> like screw these singles guys. What are they doing? Yeah. Um, no, and, and there's plenty of plenty of people, uh, rec players and casual players that that love singles, but I do think it is more people play doubles, and I think a more as a whole, more people are interested in doubles. And granted, doubles singles is on a Thursday. But you do see the crowds and the people more into the doubles and watching the doubles more. But the fact that that is the weekend is a factor as well. But uh, I, I think it's definitely uh, a big part of the game singles. But I do th- I just do think that that doubles is more popular. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that because <laughs> I'm biased. I, ju- I, ju- I just think that's what it is. Uh, singles was great to me at the beginning of my career. I I, I like singles. It's just not for me anymore. <laughs> and like we talk about, it's a great way to break in, right? Cause getting partners yeah. at the beginning is pretty difficult and it's getting, it seems like it's getting less difficult because there's so many more players coming in now than like when I was coming in, I was like, how do you find a partner? Like, right. I feel like I'm decent. How, like, how do I get a partner that's as decent as I am? Uh, yeah. And, and it's, and it was more tiered then it was like, there, there might be a stretch four years ago where if you, if you didn't have a top six partner, you literally couldn't win. Like yeah, there was, no chance. All, there was, yeah. there was almost no chance you could win. Uh, but now it's kind of smashed together. Sure. There's still tiers of, of players, but you know, the, the, the back end of one tier and the beginning of another is not much difference where four much years closer. ago it was, it was a huge difference. So yeah. you, you, you can win, you can win with more players now and have better runs with more players where you just, you just couldn't do that back then. Totally. So we got a we got an interesting few weekends coming up. Like we said, we've got the Chicago APP this weekend. Then following is the PPA Cincinnati Atlanta APP, which will be kind of on, you know, competing, competing tours on that weekend, which will be mm-hmm. um, interesting to watch. And then I think you're going to have you're going to see a fair amount of those APP Atlanta guys probably play the PPA the following weekend, which will also be in Atlanta. I believe Peach oh, okay. Corners. So right. you're going to have back to back Atlanta weekends, APP the first weekend, PPA the second weekend. Um, so I, I would imagine we'll see a fair amount of APP, APP players play that PPA, which, mm-hmm. you know, I like because we don't, there's not many tournaments and I haven't seen the entrance list. So maybe that's not true, but I would imagine some people would just stay in Atlanta to play both, um, which, which I like because we don't always get to see, um, you know, APP players play in the PPAs and, vi- and vi- well, you definitely don't see it vice versa because PPA players can't play in APPs. So it'll be interesting. No, no, that's good. I, I like, I like to see, I like to see that. It's a little interesting dynamic, some different matchups, see some of the, you know, the APP players who have already more than made their presence felt in singles. Uh, I, I would, I would like to see as, as they kind of get, get better uh, with some of these younger guys, J-Dub, Dylan, you know, so, so some of those guys to, to play the PPA players and just kind of see how they stack up. And I, I think that that's really cool. And uh, especially since we don't get to see it all the time. Yeah. Agreed. I and think I think we- there's, Oh no, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that and there's uh, I know that the Vegas PPA championships is a very big tournament and I believe it's a major. And I think that is the weekend or two weekends before the MLP. So there's, there's a lot of mm-hmm. action in the next six weeks or so uh, on the pickleball tours. Uh, no question. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch and we will be here to kind of break it down and analyze it and, and recap it. So looking forward to the next few weeks with you guys and you, Mr. Stone, I'm sad. I'm not going to see you this weekend, but 
I am hoping to, to get my health in order and get this infection dealt with and be ready to go for MLP. And then also Houston with you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, I don't know, I, I think it feels good. It feels right. So to, to skip, <laughs> skip, skip those two for you with the Chicago Atlanta. And I think that will, that will give you a little buffer, a little window uh, for you to be ready to rock for, for that pretty stout October schedule. Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary.